The desert is calm at this time of night. Nothing moves except for one tumbleweed as it bounces and rolls and bounces again across the ground. It's only then that we notice a house and then another and a barn and a water tower and an old windmill that probably isn't working anymore, but it still spins in the gentle wind. And the tumbleweed rolls out of view as we pan at the one building with its lights still on and the dim, pale white lettering above the door. Saloon. The swinging doors open for us and we step inside and we find the room empty. Empty save for a single bullet shell suspended in the air. It is cloaked in absolute silence, a silence which slowly begins to tremble and dissolve. And at once, the shell casing falls to the floor. Ding, ding, ding. And why? To find out, I guess you'll all have to listen to this episode of Story Jazz. Howdy, partners. Howdy, indeed. <laughs> Welcome back to Story Jazz. I'm gonna, welcome, I'm, welcome, welcome. I'm, I'm just getting used to like singing at the start of the show. I don't know if that's appropriate. I at all. love it, Sam, and I love you, and I've, I've missed you. I've missed you too, Softy. It's been it's been a cold few weeks not recording. Yes, it has. But we're gonna warm things up out in the desert with our our new adventure, which, as you may have noticed, is slightly uh, western themed. Slightly, just slightly. slightly. We might be slightly hanging out in some saloons with some cowboys, outlaws, sheriffs, you know, that sort of thing. That sort of ne'er-do-well crowd. So as I'm sure you all know, dear listeners, Story Jazz is an improvised storytelling podcast. So we're about to act out a story off the top of our heads. And um, I, 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 I've been thinking about this for a long time, you see, this Western genre. And I've, I've thought that, well, we try to not be generic, right? We do a lot of genre, but we try to not be generic about it. So I thought, let's do a Wild West weird fiction sort of mix-up. So like a Weird West, right? And then I looked up the term Weird West, and that's a genre already. <laughs> so originality is impossible. Well. But. <laughs> but here, we, we trade in the impossible. So we're going we're gonna to try to make something out of nothing and uh, make our own genre. Here at Story Jazz. Here at Story Jazz. <laughs> Here at Story Jazz. We, we believe in uh, trading the impossible. Trading the impossible. Um, yeah. So so our, our sort of prompt for this uh, story arc is fantasy western, magic western. And I got a few thoughts ahead of time that I, I want to share with everybody just so, to sort of warm up with the world building. Before warm me we, up, you know. Sam. Please warm me up. Okay. Um, here's here's what I got. I got I got magic bullets. Magic <clears throat> magic bullets. 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 Revolver okay. magic. Revolve so the <laughs> so the world revolvers around magic. Exactly. Magical revolvers. So I I mean you and I have always had a penchant for developing magic systems. I I think this is something that brought us together very early on um in our friendship. In the wee days of our youth. And you know, 
other like sort of writing nerds like ourselves um, that we hope we reach with this show might know of Sanderson's laws of magic systems. And there's this whole like sub-genre of, mag- of, of writing, fantasy writing that is basically just magic systems. Anyway, here what I want to do is revolver magic. I don't know anything about the rules of revolver magic, but I want to have like different types of bullets. And I, I think a, a core tenet that I have here is I don't want the revolvers to be ma- mainly weapons. I want them to be tools for using magic. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that's a cool idea. And that's pretty much all I got, <laughs> honestly. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I feel warm. I feel fuzzy. I feel like I want to know what's happening in our saloon. I want to know where this tumbleweed will take us. Um, yes, indeed. So why don't we... Oh. Oh? Oh, sorry. I, I got to... <laughs> I have an idea for a character. <laughs> why don't we make but, a character? Okay. Sam, I have this sort of... <sighs> I've got this feeling in my head, like you're, you have a character in mind that you're not telling me. No, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to make them show up. Okay, you're going to make them show up. It's going to be amazing. Then I'm going to, I'm going to give us our, (laughs) I'm going to give us our, our first character then. Our our point of view, perhaps, our protagonist. You know I love your characters. Um, We are going to follow, as all good Westerns do, Mm -hmm. the sheriff. Good. Classic. I like it. And this is going to be a non-binary character. So we refer to them as Sheriff Dandelion. Ooh, I like that. Sheriff Dandelion. Is that a bit of a Witcher homage then? or oh, Well, for me, it's a Walter Moores, but yes. Um, <gasps> oh my God, Walter Moores. Awesome. So Sheriff Sheriff Dandelion is uh, the sheriff of our small collection of uh, buildings that we first introduced. And they're responsible for the for the well-being and safekeeping of their little community um which exists out in the open weird space of the desert that's what i got for you so far give, give me a give me a character trait a descriptive trait a physical something or other i see dandelion as massive somehow massive okay <laughs> in in contrast to their to their sort of um dainty name i love it dandelion Wide hips and wide shoulders. Yes. Sort of an hourglass shape, but large hourglass. <laughs> and, you know, not so much glass, more sort of iron. Yes. Our iron. Our iron. <laughs> and um, I, th- I think we'll, we'll sort of discover the, the voice and the behavioral pattern as, as we go. But I, what, I'm, what I'm most interested in is, like, what kind of story can we give dandelion well so a sheriff story in in my mind a, a western sheriff story is about the sheriff's job is not just as a as a keeper of peace or a police officer in the contemporary sense a sheriff is sometimes the de facto mayor the de facto uh mm-hmm. law keeper uh, uh, a judge whatever judge jury executioner the, the sheriff does so much which means that a bad sheriff can be a tyrant but a good sheriff can be uh, a keeper of paradise, right? And what does our protagonist? What kind of world does our protagonist build for the for the for the inhabitants of this little town? That's what I'm curious about. Um, so I think there's going to be some conflict where the sheriff naturally is the only one who can really resolve it. So uh, uh, maybe a mystery. Perhaps there's a crime, but perhaps it's just something impossible and since we trade in the impossible it shouldn't be too hard here's a pitch pitch me pacifist sheriff pacifist sheriff okay uh yeah 
sure. refuses to use violence to stop outlaws, you know. Love it. Uh, yet constantly armed with all sorts of revolvers. Yes, because magic revolvers. <laughs> so a bandolier of revolvers, none of which are deadly. <laughs> the non-deadly revolvers. And that's our title for chapter one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The Yes. yes. Okay, but that means that our sheriff is is quite the expert, it feels like. Can we get some sort of... Oh, Okay, here's a pitch for, for second character. And maybe this is somebody who we can start with. I actually think that we, I have, I have a way of solving this, this very dilemma that you've, you've just brought up. Mm-hmm. The sheriff is not an expert in these revolvers, but one who enjoys to dabble with that which they do not understand. Okay, cool. So, so they have these revolvers, but they don't know everything there is to know about revolver magic. Okay, I like that. I like that. I like the, the, the idea of just sort of a little being, them being a little bit chaotic, a little bit less than competent, but really enthusiastic about this new hobby. Yeah. We're going to have to figure out how they found the revolvers, possibly. That's a that's a story sort of strand. Um, here's here's our second character that could bring some uh, POV. A deputy? Into, exactly, a deputy. A, a new deputy Love it. from somewhere very far from the frontier. Of course. Um, who's just uh, A green coming. horn. A green horn. A green horn. horn. Marty Green. Marty Green. Love it. <laughs> Marty Green. <laughs> Marty Green is our greenhorn and... Um, Deputy Green. Deputy Green from, you know, from the capital. Who probably doesn't have that accent, but people call him Deputy Green. Right. Deputy Green from the capital. There we go. That's our that's our love standard it, it. young man voice and that the, I can do. <laughs> love it. Love it. I'm, I'm totally into it. Which, which means, and let me just... For those who cannot see me, which is everybody, I am waving my arms in order to embody uh, Sheriff Dandelion. Wow. Oh my God, your muscles are swelling. You're, you're swelling into an hourglass, I mean, our iron shape. <laughs> Deputy Green. Are we... Do we... Deputy, are you paying attention to me? Oh my God, we're back. We're in the first scene already. Deputy. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Deputy Marty Green looks up from the empty bullet casing on the floor of the saloon that he doesn't dare touch. I've been reading out a list of names to you for the last 20 minutes, and I'm not sure you've been paying attention to me. These are people you're supposed to go check up on. Do you need me to read it out again? I'm... Deputy? You're you're a deputy now? Marty Green looks at the little badge in his hand, the deputy badge that he still hasn't pinned to his leather vest. And um, back over to the massive sheriff with the many revolvers hanging on their chest. I'm I'm sorry, uh, you could just give me the list maybe and I'll make, make the rounds. I'm better with visual sort of words. I'll give you the list, deputy, but I think it's important that you make a proper and humble introduction to all the members of our community. And that means not reading their names off a list, but knocking on their door and saying, ma'am, sir, or any other such... Um, title? Prefix. Prefix. Title of that kind, exactly. Right. And I think it's important that you make such encounters with sincerity. Uh, Of course, Sheriff Dandelion. I'm I'm nothing if not sincere. Sorry. I hope for all of our sakes that's true. Now, run along. And the sheriff hands uh, young Deputy Marty Green 
a list on a piece of parchment, and it's been quickly scrawled in the sheriff's handwriting. As the sheriff recounted all of the regulars at the saloon, the regulars which are all missing. Because if we recall from the beginning of our episode here, the saloon was empty. Yes. Save for the shell of a bullet. Yes. Save for the floating and then dropping shell. Floating, floating. Suspended in the air. As if by magique, perhaps? Or pure disbelief. (laughs) That is a writing joke, folks. Marty scans over the list, rolls it up, and says, Uh, what'll you be doing while I go around town, Sheriff? I'm gonna have a word with our bartender. And the sheriff looks directly up into the ceiling to where they know the bartender sleeps above the bar. Oh man, I thought there was going to be like a dangling head on the ceiling or some <laughs> shit again. <laughs> no, right, one I'm not going to kill off anybody right away, okay? No, no, I mean like a dangling, like a head person oh, that like, like dangles from the ceiling. Like, you know, like last episode. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Marty steps out through the swinging doors of the saloon. Um, the no-name saloon, as people call it. Or just the saloon, because it's a saloon without a name. It's the only saloon in town that doesn't need a name. Logically. The town, however, does have a name. That name being... (laughs) I can't tell if you're passing this to me or thinking. If you come up with something faster, go. Uh, It's... How how about this? You say one word, I'll say the other, and then we put the two words together. That's the town's name. All right, I have the second word. Okay. Ah, shit. I had a second word, too. Let me come right, What is your a- second word? What is your second word? <laughs> we have to say them at the same time. Otherwise, they ain't right. funny. Three, two, one, gulch. Talon. Ooh, that's pretty. That's pretty Western. That's pretty. Talon gulch. Talon gulch. Or okay, gulch I, have talon. One. I have one. Okay. Uh, Tapper talon gulch. Tapper talon gulch. Tapper talon gulch. If you can say it with a nice southern drawl, then you know it's a good name for a town. <laughs> Tapper Talon Gulch. So, nice uh, apologies. Southern drone. Once again, <laughs> once again, apologies to all our actually like Southern listeners. Friends. We do not, we do not can do accent. We do not can. But, but we try because we love all walks of life and we want to Explore revel those. in their mysteries and yes, cultures. That's fun. Okay. Tapper Talon Gulch. Uh, a town that seems to be perpetually haunted by the howling of the wind through the canyons at the edge of the town. Why don't you take uh, our young Deputy Marty Green on a brief tour, and then we'll jump back to our sheriff. The saloon is at the very center of town. Uh, The road coming in from the east um, leads right up to the swinging doors and then forks off north and southwest. Those who know, know that it was the first building in town built. Um, built by old General Georgina Tappertalon in uh, t- t- 1731. A date which does not mean the same as nope. our contemporary date because it is a different world, but it is... Entirely. But it sounds like about the right time. It sounds like the right exactly, time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and um, ever since then, you know, they set up... Uh, the twin churches, uh, North Church and South Church, uh, two religions existing harmoniously side by side here in the new new world um, that, you know, uh, cooperate and coexist and thus have two churches that always stand back to back, one facing north, one facing south. Which takes us to our first item on the list, 
Friar Pendleton. Friar Pendleton, who is a regular at the bar. <laughs> yes. He's a follower of the South Church, and <laughs> followers of the South Church are... Um, fo- so, followers of the North Church... <laughs> wow, we're doing so much world-building already. Followers of the North Church are ascetic. Followers of the South Church are anything but. Anything but. And our own Friar Pendleton is very much that. Anything but. Um, Marty, yeah, there we go. Let's just teleport him right up to the <laughs> church door. <laughs> Marty knocks. <clears throat> okay. Um, the door's still closed. Can you, can you hear me in there? Uh, I was just, I had a few questions. Um, I, it's really hard not to slip into the accent, even when I'm doing a narration voice. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I'm Deputy Marty Green. I was just transferred here from uh, Newtown. Green, green. And then the door slams open and a, a bushy face, bald man, uh, hunched so far over his shoulders or above his, his ears. A wall of alcohol rams Marty and he takes a step back and blinks the burn from his eyes. <laughs> green, 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 Marty Green. Yes, that's me. I'm new in town. Uh, sorry, uh, sincere hellos and greetings. I hail from the East Coast. You want to join the church? The, you the want church. to join the church? No. Do you oh, hear the church? Yeah, the... I'm not a man of uh, much faith, actually. Thursdays at 5, Tuesdays at 3, okay. and Mondays at 9 a.m. But don't come to that one. I, can you write it down? I'm not going to be able to remember that. I have a thing with memory. I'm sorry, we're getting off track. You are one of the regulars of the No Name Saloon, right? And proud of it. That long syllable in the middle hits Marty in the face like a baseball bat, and he learns to breathe again a second later. Right, um, were you there last night? Oh, man, you're the second one to ask me that. No, I was not there. I missed it. It was bingo night. Bingo night? What? Bingo night. Second one to ask. Okay. Um, bingo night where? North Church. Oh, I see. It's a regular custom for the churches to have a regular bingo night. We all get along better if we play bingo every once in a while. Great. That that sounds great. So if I ask folks at the North Church, they'll be able to confirm your oh. alibi. Oh, yeah. They, they won't be bro pleased about it because I won bingo last night. So you said that I'm the second person to ask you about this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, tall fella, real tall fella with knobbly knees. Okay, uh, when did this tall fella come by? And, uh, Friar Pendleton leans out the door and looks left and right, there's no one around. Why, I would've thought you'd seen him on your way in. I didn't. Um, what did tall fella say? Did they say their name or anything? Nope, they just asked me if I'd been, I'd seen the saloon recently. They were looking for a friend of theirs, I I think. I didn't catch most of it. I was still trying to (laughs) shake off the night before. You you know how it is. All right. uh, Thank you, um, Friar Pendleton. That was your name, right? Oh, yeah. It's right here. Thursdays at 5, Tuesdays at 3, Mondays at 9 a.m. But don't come to the Monday. uh, Okay. Can I just, he um, fishes for a pen somewhere in his vest. 
and scratches down these times on the parchment. And before our deputy Green can finish writing, Pendleton slams the door in his face and says, See you then! (laughs) And Marty sighs and strikes Friar Pendleton off the list, then looks down at the long list of remaining names. As he takes a few steps away, he hears the crash of pans come from inside the church and a loud thump as something heavy hits the ground. He flinches and says, "Uh, Are you okay, sir? As Marty hears this very unhealthy sounding snore, he um, makes a note to send somebody to check on Friar Pendleton. <laughs> Should we cut back to uh, our dear yeah. Dandelion? That was so fun, by the way. That was, that was so a great fun. scene. Lots of fun, lots of fun. <sighs> Dandelion is crouched in the center of the saloon, examining the bullet casing on the floor. Without uh, touching it, they uh, pick up a wooden spoon off the table and sort of uh, make a small circle, uh, closing in closer and closer on the bullet as they lean their large head on the ground and take a big... Well, that's uh, oak. Oak with a bit of uh, cherry. An assistant hastily scribbles down what Dandelion said. She's a little person with thick bifocals and a sort of always raised knowing right eyebrow. Oak in a bullet. Shouldn't it be gunpowder? Cherry. Oak. Do you smell the cherry? I do not. (laughs) There's something, there's something else in there. Where? Where is that bartender? Uh, probably still sleeping upstairs. We haven't spoken to him yet since you've been obsessing about this bullet. And I I really must say, I do not smell oak or cherry, but then I don't have your genius, she says, and looks at her notes. All right. Um, pass me that there bar stool. Yep, that one. Uh, do we have a name for this assistant? Uh, Heather. Heather. Sure. There you go. That's a name. Thank you, Heather. Um, and uh, Sheriff Dandelion puts the bar stool over the bullet and sort of gently scoots the other chairs and tables away from it. And then Dandelion uh, makes, makes their way for the, for the stairs in the far corner behind the bar. Heather looks at the bullet, then at Dandelion, then hurries after them and says, Aren't you going to pick up the bullet? It's part of the murder weapon, right? Murder? What, what makes Heather... What makes you think there's been a murder and that there's no blood, there's no bodies? We don't. We haven't even confirmed that nobody is missing. And if uh, our deputy Green is half as good as the Easterner say he is, maybe we'll know by lunchtime even if someone's missing. I mean, there's a bullet casing, and people heard shots fired last night. Shot from the saloon. Shot to. One shot fired. You got to get these details right, Heather, if you're ever going to make deputy. <sighs> Heather rubs the bridge of her nose and says, I don't m- want to make deputy. I'm just helping you out until I get out of this hole. It's not what your mom told me. Heather doesn't respond, just shakes her head. Anyway, one shot fired last night and the bar cleared out. Okay, so we got to just account for everybody. If somebody's hurt, we'll see if the doc's in town, make sure they get medical attention. You know, nothing's wrong till it's wrong. That's what I always tell myself. 
as they speak, the two climb the stairs up to the bartender's um, apartment and the few rooms that they have there that they rent out sometimes. They knock on the door again. Dandelion's heavy fist on the door. The door almost falls off its hinges. <laughs> Conway, I, I know you're in there. Conway, I swear on your grandmother, I'm going to break down this door if you don't, if you don't open up. There was, a, there was a revolver fired in your bar last night, and I didn't hear about it until this morning. You're supposed to be... Conway. And then with a large crash, Sheriff Dandelion's shoulder just bursts through the door. Beady eyes look around the room, but nothing is amiss. The room is pristine. The bed is made, and it's empty. Conway's gone, says a voice from behind. Sheriff Dandelion whips around and pulls a handkerchief out of their pocket. The person standing there is spindly, almost gray-skinned, looks so malnourished. It's one of the, the strangest patrons of this bar that seems to have always have existed in some corner as a fossil and always slept in the attic at the very top of the building. Once, once they see who it is, Sheriff Dandelion puts the white handkerchief back in their pocket and looks and says, Mama Leslie, what are you, what are you even doing awake at this hour? Conway, Con, what was the voice I did? Conway's gone. They're all gone. Even my little piggies. She, as she points at her foot, and her toes are missing. She's leaning on a crutch, and all the toes of her left foot are missing. Mama, Leslie, and uh, Sheriff Dandelion sort of wipes their forehead. Your toes have been missing since the war. I tell you that every time you complain. Mama Leslie furrows her brow and goes, Conway ain't been gone since the war. No, that's that's true. Conway ain't been gone since the war. I saw Conway uh, yesterday around lunchtime. And suddenly Mama Leslie's gray eyes fixate Dandelion's face. Tiny pupils jittering. What is it, Mama? They killed my Conway. They? Who? Who? And then her eyelids flutter. They, who? Mama. Mama, and she stumbles. Heather, do you write that down? Do you write that down? And Heather rushes forward to help support Mama right before she collapses. Great Scott Almighty. Okay. Um, Scott is the god of the Southern <laughs> Church. <laughs> great, great Scott Almighty. Uh, Dandelion um, takes one broad arm and cups uh, Mama Leslie in their arms like a like a baby and lifts them off the ground and starts walking gently down the stairs. You're taking me to see my Conway. No. Well, if what you're telling me is true, Mama Leslie, hopefully not. Uh, Heather, can you just do a quick once over on, on uh, Conway's room? Just don't touch anything. All right, all right. And then, Told and you then, it was murder though. It's not, there's just when you're done, I want you to lock up the saloon and put a notice on the door that it's closed uh, for um, rats. Closed for rats. Closed for murder, she writes. No oh, no, sorry. Rats. Closed for lies. <sighs> <laughs> if you see Deputy Green, send him to meet me in my office. 
and tell him, you know, keep it all mum about it. And with that, the sheriff leaves Heather alone in Conway's room. Did you want to do something here? She finds something? I, yeah. The sheriff uh, trundles heavily down the stairs and is careful not to move the bar stool in the center of the room with a bullet underneath it, which they take a quick peek to make sure it's still there, which it is. And then they open the door and they look up and down the, the Y section of the road and it's early enough no one's out. And then they close up and head out. Heather, on the other hand, stays still in the room. Somehow, without the sheriff, everything is scarier. The wind whistles through the window, whistles over the stove and the empty glasses of beer probably consumed the night before. The the beer, not the glasses. (laughs) The air whistles over the stairs, through the curtains, and out the open window. And Heather, to board the place up, takes a few short steps across the room to close the window when they see it. Okay, I have something here. Do it, yeah, give it. This might be the moment where I bring in that character. Do it, do it. It's tall, it's got knobbly knees, and it's dressed like a fine lady. Except for a face, it's got nothing but a tangle of dry wood. It appears to be a walking tumbleweed. (gasps) And it waves a little handkerchief and says, Well, I'll be. How do you do? And it's floating just outside the window. Oh no, Sam, don't look. Don't look, Wh- Sam. Why? Don't look, I I just can't. Wh- why can't you? I, I can't. You can't even? Look at me, Sam. You just wanted me not to look at you. Look at me! Oh, are, yeah, I am. Can you love something like this? Yeah. Oh, well. Why? I don't understand. What? What's the problem? Well, I just, I've been locked in this room making podcasts for so long, I didn't think oh, you, you still loved me. <laughs> oh my God. I really didn't know how you were going to turn that around to the subject of podcasts. But yeah, hey, hey guys, it's us, Sam and Softy, your hey. hosts. With our bi-weekly reminder to treat yourself to a six-course meal. Drink water. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you want to be a plebeian about it, you can drink water. Yeah. I would say six <laughs> courses of drinks as well. Yes, six courses of drinks. And and check us out on social media, of course. At StoryJustCast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And also email us at StoryJustCast at gmail.com if you have anything. Send us emails with questions, prompts, New idea. Send us an email with a fully formed story that we can just read and pretend we're improvising. Love it. Love it. Or just read and enjoy and 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 maybe we'll send one back. You know? Start a dialogue. Send us a ten thousand dollars and we'll <laughs> we'll make you a personalized um pa- like patron story. Uh, and also we love you. We love you. <laughs> I want to do another uh, Marty. Marty. Okay. Marty Green right. interrogation. Q. 
keep playing Marty Green. I'm going to give us a new character. You just take us somewhere and give me something to. Okay. <clears throat> so from the North and South churches, if you uh, circle around sort of back to the main area, there's a bunch of little residential houses. People set up little homes, little shops. There's a general store, a tailor, and a barber. And the barber is where Marty Green knocks on the next door. Knock, knock, knock. Uh, it's, uh, Sheriff's Office here. Uh, I wanted to make an introduction and ask you about the saloon. Marty almost said murder, uh, but stopped himself. Oh, well, if it ain't our little own Deputy Green, I've been looking forward to meet you. Marty looks back and forth, left and right, up and down, and finally spots a little hand mirror poking out of the second floor window. Up here. (laughs) You could just push open the door. I'll be right down. Let me just find something to wear. A little emerald eye winking at him through the mirror. Just pop on in. And a flash of shoulder skin. Still attached to the shoulder, of course. (laughs) Marty uh, swallows and gently pushes the door open, stepping inside. Inside are a bunch of reclined chairs, some mirrors, um, a a couple of combs and scissors, but not as many as there should be in a barbershop. But on one wall is a whole host of revolvers, and even (laughs) more bullets of different sizes and shapes, all labeled different colors. Before he can get a good look, a long leg, descends the stairs in front of him. Followed by a body. <laughs> also, it's, it's a person. <laughs> well, aren't you just the most precious thing? What do they feed you at East? How do, they, how do they make you that shape? Oh, I do want to know. Marty looks down at his kind of squidgy midsection, back up at the lady, scratches the back of his head. Um, lots of c- cakes and creams? <laughs> Cakes and creams. Oh, dear. You're just as adorable as you look, aren't you? The woman descending the steps. We need a a description. She's a leg. (laughs) She's a leg. She's just a leg. Okay, no. She's legendary. She's the the lady of the town. She she moved here and married the barber a few years ago. And And the barber soon after died, and so she's the barber now. (laughs) She's extremely good at it. so good, in fact, it's kind of suspicious as to why she moved to the town and married the barber, and then the barber died, and she got the barber shop. <laughs> but no one seems to mind she... too much. <laughs> we don't have a physical description, but whatever. Okay. Don't need a physical description. She is a sexy woman. Okay. That is her f- she could be anything, and she'd be a sexy woman. But the point is that she <laughs> wears her sexiness with such such vigor and such flaunty temptation. She just, she knows how to wield her body. And a pair of scissors. So what, what was it that you, you wanted, a little Deputy Green? Something about a, a bar? You, you know, I can come back later yeah, if you wanted to slip into something more. Um, oh, no. Just more. Oh, no, I wear this all day. It's at night when I change. If you want to come back then, I'd be happy to it's oblige. At night, it's, at, it's, at, it's at night when she changes? If this one turns out to be a werewolf, that is the most genius foreshadowing. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, no, um, Marty looks down at his list 
of names, but there's no extra information there. He just has to remember what to say. Okay, first of all, I'm uh, Marty Green, Deputy Marty Green, just transferred here from Newtown nice. on the East Coast. Nice to I, meet you, Deputy <laughs> Marty Green. Likewise. And, he, and, and she extends a hand sort of daintily with the fingers down. And he reaches out and then lowers his hand and then leans forward and makes as if to kiss it. <laughs> she raises her eyebrows <laughs> like, is this really going to happen? And he chickens out and... <clears throat> oh, you are such a flirt, aren't you, little green? No, no, I'm not. Uh, so... My name is Victoria. Victoria, right. But I'm sure you have that on your list. Yes, Victoria Barber. Um, it says, Nay Shaffordshire. That sounds like an old country Why don't you, name. What did this Nay cook? Like, she used to marry a cook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh. Nay cook. Did you, uh, were you married to a cook before? Oh, my old husband. The third husband. Yes, he was a cook. Delightful man. Terrible what happened. Just terrible. Marty looks around. And your well-armed husband, he says, nodding at the many revolvers on the wall. Oh. He recently passed as well, didn't he? Oh. My, my, my condolences. Two and a half years ago now. It's, I appreciate, Little Green, I appreciate your gesture, but. I, I, I'm, I meant to ask you, where were you last night? Um. There was an altercation or something at the no-name saloon. Oh, it's saloon. I was Were at the you saloon. there? Yes, but I left around eight, maybe nine. That's when they stopped playing poker and when my, well, let's just say the alcohol gets away between me and my charm's effectiveness. It's when I stop winning money in poker. And so I usually, I usually take the long way home after that. Marty looks over his shoulder. It's only about... 25 meters in the saloon. <laughs> Town ain't big. Um, so you didn't hear anything or notice anything unusual mm. that night? Anything unusual in a bar full of drunk cowboys? I, you'd have to be a little bit more specific than that. People said they heard a shot uh, around midnight. I um, heard the shot. And they rushed over and the place was empty. Did you rush over? Did, did you see any of that happen? No, I was, she looks a little, she blushes a little. I was otherwise engaged. Otherwise. And all saying, all saying, little deputy, shots aren't so uncommon here. And she fingers the various revolvers on the wall. All right. Um, wh whom, wh with whom were you otherwise engaged then? Little deputy, I don't kiss and tell. It's a matter of public safety. It's, it's part of the investigation, Miss uh, Barber. Well, I'll tell you what. If you promise to have dinner with me tonight, I'll tell you who it was and anything else you want to know about that evening. Dinner. Tonight. To, 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 I, 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 have to, I, um, the, I haven't moved my things in. I was, uh, it's going to take a bath and wash my ha hair. And, and I don't know if That's I can. okay. We can it. do all of that together. <laughs> uh, it's, um, I have to interview some other folks. Thank you very much for your time. And he just <laughs> leaves. 
leaves the door open behind him. Bye, little deputy. I look forward to it. And Marty just shuffles across the sand to the next house, swallowing and, stri- and striking her name off the list. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm loving this. This is great. With a large thump, uh, a door swings open and papers go flying left and right as our Sheriff Dandelion bursts through into a dark room. They're still carrying Mama Leslie under one arm. <laughs> under one arm. <laughs> hey, Doc. Doc, are, are you in here? Uh, Doc, you keep it so dark, I, dark as hell, I can't see a damn thing. In the darkness, a glint of metal, and suddenly a chair zooms through the room, crashing into a desk, and a wrinkly little hand turns up an oil lamp. In the light, uh, a couple of half-moon glasses glint. Jeez, I'm Scott, Doc, you, you scared me. <laughs> Jesus, is, Jesus is the prophet of the Southern Jesus Church. Jesus, Scott. <laughs> Scott is the God and Jesus is the prophet. Really excited to learn what our Holy Ghost is named. Jesus, Scott, Doc. Okay, uh, I've got Mama Leslie here. Mama Leslie is having a, one of her fits again. She forgot about her toes. You know how that is. And, and she's, she's babbling something silly about a, a Conway being, being gone. Can you, can you just take a, take a look at her for me? A swarthy man with half moon glasses, lamp fire glinting off of them, stares at Mama Leslie, juts out his jaw, and says, Well, that ain't good, partner, is it? Mm, that's that's too piratey. I want his accent to be like, Make him German. Just make him German. Oh, fuck yeah. We've never had a German character. This is the moment for that. The German doctor. Well, that is not good then, is it, partner? <laughs> um... <laughs> I have never in my life heard somebody say partner with a German accent. <laughs> Doc, is is there is that bad? Is this real bad? Is this like like plague bad? This is not plague bad. This is old people bad. And um the great thing about age is as a sickness, it is very pr- predictable, but uh, also very difficult to cure. Well, I, I don't need you to cure Mama Leslie's age. Just well, tell me if she's okay and if there's something I can do. And yes, and and preferably you can tell me if she's nutty or not when it comes to Conway being missing. And by the way, we're keeping it on the on the on the down low about Conway until we know. You are giving me very much information. Just put her on the table there, <laughs> and uh, the wheels of his wheelchair squeak as he pushes himself uh, across the room. Um, scattering tools across surfaces, pulling open drawers and and looking for something. All right, Doc. Okay. Um, and uh, Mama Leslie gets lowered gently onto the uh, operating table slash desk slash overturned bookcase. She's murmuring, Oh, hey, my Conway. Are my toes are missing. <laughs> Mama Leslie, can you uh, describe how you're feeling to me? Where did I put this darn thing? Oh my god. This is my favorite character yet. Oh, me too. Uh, thing, uh, Doc, what, what thing you're talking about? Can I can I hold some No, you keep, keep the old mama awake. I need her to describe her feeling. Okay, mama. Mama, look at me in the eye. What you say your toes are gone? What are you feeling? Are you feeling a numbing or a 
or a pinching or a, a biting. You remember that rattlesnake fight you had when, when you were <laughs> you met a few years ago? Is it like that or is it more like that time <laughs> when you beat up the Hendelson twins? More like a, Mama from- Leslie's pinpoint pupils swerve back and forth as she tries to find words. Ah, there is a big hole. There's okay, a doc. Big, big hole, hole in the middle of town. Okay. It's opening up and it's swall- swallowing us down. Okay, Doc, I'm just going to say it. That does not sound good. Is this a good th- this is a this a good age thing? Ah, she's delirious. It's normal. <laughs> I think this woman needs a shot. Let me see. Here it is. And he pulls out something that gleams darkly and metallic and the sheriff's eyes go wide for a moment. Uh, doc, wait, what What are you? Bang! A muzzle flash lights the room as the doc fires his revolver straight at Mama Leslie's head. Doc, are, holy, holy guacascop, Doc. What, are you Are you sure that was necessary? I mean, she was fine. I don't think, I don't think it was necessary to just, you know, <laughs> do, her, do her like that, Doc. There's a gaping hole in Mama <laughs> Leslie's skull. Her eyes are colorless, blind. They've stopped moving. I mean, I'm sure she had a couple of good years left in her. (laughs) (laughs) She's a corpse for a moment, but only for a moment. There's no blood spatter or anything. The bullet went clean in the skull, lodged itself in there, and now, from inside the bullet hole, something is starting to glow. Oh, heck, Doc, you should have warned me that's what you were going to do. And, uh... Uh, Sheriff Dandelion looks back and forth around them and, and and grabs an old tarp off the ground and quickly throws it over Mama Leslie just as a bright blue light just ricochets around the room, illuminating everything in this just neon glow, nearly blinding the two of them until <laughs> the tarp flops over Mama Leslie. The blue light is encased under the canvas, pulsing as the doctor squeaks up next to it and watches intently. You know, Doc, I don't know how they used to do it in Barrel Inn, but you've got to just tell us when you're going to be operating. <laughs> like, you can't just be willy-nilly shooting stuff off. Is it Barrel Inn, like the barrel of a gun? <laughs> That's it. Is this just a gun-themed world? Because I'm kind of loving you it. You made revolver magic. I'm just... <laughs> it's supposed to be a German town, right? Barrel Inn. This, this is fantastic. It's fantastic. Okay. What did they say? Um, you gotta, you got to warn us, okay? You're a community doctor. Emphasis on the community, doctor. <laughs> you can't be just scaring the scot out of people left and right. In medicine, every second counts, the doctor says. Sure, all right. I've been doing this for many years, many fast procedures. I would have done only half of them if I took my time to think about people's feelings. I, I get it, I get it, but like... Th- there's a reason that everybody east of... That everybody east of Big River knows the name Dr. Vanna Vanning. Well, you know, Doc, that I can't, and nobody in this town can pronounce that name, so we just call you Doc, so you don't need to go spout it off like you're some sort of genius or something. <laughs> All right, well, how how long is she going to be under? Well, it should only take a few moments. As the blue light starts to recede under the tarp, receding around Mama Leslie's head... <laughs> Um, Van, Doc Vanna pulls the tarp off with a loud whoosh. The bullet wound is almost gone. As the flesh creeps together and bones crackle and heal, the little lead cap of the bullet pops out and clatters to the floor. On the back of the, <laughs> on the, back of the lead bullet in small letters is written aspirin. 
<laughs> okay, okay. So we are introducing the first elements of our magic system here. Yes, yes. Welcome, audience. Come in. Gather close. <laughs> and apparently you're able to dissolve uh, medical effects into bullets. Maybe you're able to dissolve other effects into bullets or like bind them, you know. So there's got probably going to be like a bullet crafting situation going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, my implication of, of um, Victoria Barber was that she cuts people's hair with guns, too. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, that's so fucking anime. Yo, I love it. All right. Blade bullets, <laughs> scissor bullets. <laughs> Either that or she just shoots people in the head and they wake up with a new haircut. <laughs> Yeah, she 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 just dis, um, not dissolves. She dis. What's the word I'm looking for? Like distills. She distills haircuts into bullets. Yeah. Now let's think about distilling moonshine into bullets. <laughs> That'll get you drunk fast. So. I mean, we haven't seen. We're gonna have a, a celebratory saloon sequence at some point in this show, and it's gonna be a firecracker festival. So basically, the the core mechanic of this bullet magic seems to be you distill an effect into a bullet. And then you administer it rapidly and with high effectiveness, with, with an extreme effect. Yes, that's what the yes. guns are for. So that's our first core tenet, first core rule of revolver magic. Uh, Mama Leslie, how are you? How are you feeling? You see? Can you see how many fingers I'm holding up? Mama Leslie blinks. Her eyes look a little more lucid now. She actually sits up on her, props herself up on her wobbly arms and says, I can count to three, honey. All right. What am I doing in this dank cellar? Ah, it's you. She looks over at Doc Werner. All right, mama, no need to get all sassy. No need to start a fight with everybody you meet. Come on, let me just, let me just help you off the, let me, let me help you. I don't need your help. I'm very capable on my own, mama. I'm a young woman you from are, age. You are undoubtedly. And she swings her legs down off the table and stands back up, stretches a little bit. Ma, I'm feeling spry today. Where's my crutch? I ought to beat you over the head with it. Your crutch is... Implying that I'm old and frail. Your crutch is back at the saloon, which is why I need to talk to you, Mama Leslie. Do you remember anything about last night? About about your Conway? About your, your grandson? You were mumbling about Matt Conway. Yes, you're Conway. And for a moment, that vacant stare returns, and that panic seems to flutter again. And she shakes it off and says, "Matt Conway, S- somebody, somebody sh- shot him." All right, Mama, you're gonna have to be a little bit more clear than that. Shot him, or shot him, or like shot him. Like, Mama, you gotta have to give me something. Shot him, Mama Leslie repeats. And I remember who it was, too. Both the doc and uh, Sheriff Dandelion look at Mama Leslie, surprised. I need a, a vague visual description of, of what the person looked like. Um, ah, fuck. Something with, something, give, give me something with a B. <laughs> I want to make a cool uh, 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 I Wait, a description with a B? Um, yeah, like, 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 uh. Uh, Burly? I, I, I need, I need, a, I need, a, I need like a, 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 a piece Barnacles. of, oh yeah, bur- burlap is good. Burlap, a barley, like a, like a um, clothes, brimstone. clothes, clothes. Brimstone is great. Brimstone is great. Does brimstone have a have a smell? Is brimstone? Yeah, just, yeah. Brimstone just, is a smell. Yeah, it's like sulfur, sulfuric. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Okay. It was a brimstone boyadero. Oh, a, a, a what, Mama? P- Perdona me, Mama. 
Mama Leslie's eyes focused down the line again. The brimstone boyadero. A rider from hell. A hell, a hell right. You telling me we have a ghost rider up here? <laughs> Flaming skull tap with a with a motorcycle. And motorcycles ain't even around yet. On the other end of town, well, I mean, the ends aren't that far apart, but on the back of the saloon, Heather, the young scholar, or scholar-to-be, uh, stands opposite a woman made of tumbleweeds, a woman draped in fine white ladies' clothes like a proper southern lady. Fine white ladies' clothes. Waving a handkerchief and saying, I said, well, I'll be. Don't you have any manners? Um, Heather says. Um, uh, uh, apologies, ma'am. Uh, you'll be w- what exactly? Well, I suppose I'll be anything I want to be. But I'll be surprised that you're up here perusing this room when I happen to be inhabiting it. Oh, well, not to be a... Besa visa. Um, a, a know-it-all, but you are currently... Floating, it seems, outside of the window of this room while I'm the one inhabiting it. N- not to correct you or anything, ma'am. I, I'm just surprised to find you floating. And uh, can I ask you a personal question? No, you may not. This is my room. And I have been living here far since before this here saloon was built and you were inhabiting that room. This has been my room. Um, Heather, wide-eyed takes a step back. Now, can I ask you a question, impudent one? Um, she straightens her back. No, I think if we're going to be asking each other questions, it should go two ways. Ma'am, I'm with the local sheriff's department, and I can't just have you refuting my attempts to, to gather information on a murder case. A murder? And the tumble woman uh, puts her puts a, a, a twig-like hand on her chest and looks taken aback. She clutches some per- pearls. Yes, sure. <laughs> Tumble pearls. <laughs> Tumble pearls. And she says, that's ghastly. There's been no murder in my house for at least the last century. Well, I'll be a murder. And let me, let me just uh, pick up right there. You'll be what exactly? See, my question for you is this. You appear to me to be a... Woman made of wood or some other plant-like substance. I don't mean to be too personal, but can you explain how the heck that works? Well, you, impudent one, appear to me to be made of uh, fleshy meat pieces. So why don't you be explaining that to me? I can. But I, I, can, actually, I can do that. I don't actually want I've to. I've studied I don't my fair share of history. So the theory is that God made man. I don't need to man. know that. I have a different question for you, actually, <clears throat> ma'am. I'm looking for my husband. Have you seen him? <sighs> Heather realizes that the interruptive power of this tumble woman is more, <laughs> is stronger than her own. <laughs> and um, <laughs> decides to try a different avenue. Indulging her questions. Your your husband's gone missing, huh? This might be connected to my case. Um, What can you tell me about him? What does he look like? And she starts taking notes. Well, he's about mm-hmm. two or three twigs shorter than me. Mm-hmm. He's... <laughs> she, her eyebrow raises up to the limit of how far it can be raised. 
Um, he does happen to wear thick brimmed glasses. One one shoulder is slightly higher than the other. Uh huh. Heather pushes up her bifocals. He wears awful sounding clogs all the time. I tell him they're a mite dramatic, but he does what he will. You know, men. But I suppose that you and your fleshy bits might most recognize him by his thick brimstone scent. At this, Heather raises her eyes. It's a musk that he knows I do love so well. And, um, yeah, no, that's confirmation. We thought Heather's eyebrow was at the maximum extension, but it goes just a little bit further up. Far out on the edge of town, where we can hear the wail of an eagle echoing around the canyon. That's exactly what an eagle sounds like, as we all know. Marty Green is schlepping himself up the hill, <laughs> uh, listening to that eagle's death wails. Should we just start a separate podcast for funny bird noises? <laughs> and um, schlepping himself up to the little shack, the hunter's shack, on the hill overlooking Tapper Tapper Talon Gulch. Tapper Talon Gulch. Tapper Talon Gulch. Good, rem- good, good memory. You know, I have such trouble remembering all the names and stuff. That's like where I stumble the most. I should just like write them down or something. Like Marty. <laughs> He's mumbling to himself as he climbs the hill. You go to the frontier, they said. Oh, it'll be good exercise. Yeah, right. Oh, Scott. Why is everything so far apart out here? Blam! <sighs> Blam? Blam! Ah! <laughs> What what was that sound? <laughs> a gunshot rings over the hill. Marty looks left, right, back toward the town. He can't find the source of the shot. Blam! Another one rings out. Now he's heard it more clearly. He looks toward the crest of a hill to the east. Something is riding for him hard over the sandy ground. Blam! It's getting louder. It's getting closer. But the, there's no whizzing of bullets. There's... There's no animosity and screaming yells or whooping or cowboy insults being slung. It's a horse. No, wait. (laughs) Go for it. I want to make the horse something more... Okay, maybe not a horse then. Okay. (laughs) Okay, hear me out. Yeah, I'm hearing. Gecko horse. Okay, awesome. Give give me a description. (laughs) Just run with it. I love it. Just go. It's a horse, all right, for the most part, but it's lizard-like. And skin covered instead of fur. It has a big old bulging gecko face, <laughs> perpetually smiling, having a blast. It licks its own eyes. It licks its own eyes, galloping along with its little suction cup fingers. And its little suction cup fingers turn the normal galloping sound of, of like into more of a. Yeah, exactly like that. <laughs> it's a goddamn gecko horse, and it is riding hard through the prairie, and on its back is a mysterious man firing shots at what exactly? On the gecko horse's back is a is a lounged, tall-hatted man with a piece of, long piece of wheat uh, and, and a poncho, maybe, and he's he's lounged on the back of the gecko horse as he's riding along. He's not even facing our deputy, and he's got a revolver in his hand spinning around one of his fingers, and every once in a while, he squeezes it and fires a shot sending a bullet deep into the earth beneath him before he gallops off again. Uh, he's shooting at the ground? A farmer, firing crops into the ground. <laughs> Planting. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. 
Marty watches this petrified. He was certain for almost a full minute that that person riding hard for him was an outlaw, just some lawless bandit who was going to snatch him up and carry him down to his camp in the canyon and eat his face or something. Just like his dad told him what happened. <laughs> it's just a farmer. It's just a farmer planting seeds with a gun because this is gun land, man. <laughs> the world revolvers around revolvers. Yes, and Marty exhales, relieved. And just that moment, something tightens around his ankles and he flops to the ground. As he scrabbles and turns around to see what is pulling him over the prairie floor, he sees a black smoldering lasso tied around his legs. Give me a, give me a help, help. Like help, a- help, I And his mouth fills with sand as it hits the ground. The lounging farmer on the back of the gecko horse. What a lot of introduced all of a sudden. I just, I had to have some sort of unique horse, right? In this yeah, fantasy love world. it. The gecko horses. We're, we're going to come up with a witty name by next episode. Trust us. Oh, for like for the species? Yeah, for the species. I think we can just go Avatar The Last Airbender style and say, yeah. you know, gecko horses, platypus bears. Okay. Cowboys are one of those, actually. A few people know this. Cowboy is a hybrid yeah. between yeah. a cow, cow and a cow and boy. <laughs> Um, the farmer looks up from his slouch and strains out his poncho and, and mounts the gecko horse properly as he as he looks after the, the young deputy being dragged off. It, it appears that he's being dragged by a huge horse, a, a, a war gecko horse. or a, It's an iguana mustang. It's an iguana mustang. And uh, that's awesome. And there's a whole posse of folks on iguana mustangs on the ridge a good distance away. Watching the young deputy get wrangled and dragged about. They're all cloaked in black. They're silhouettes against the setting sun. And the the farmer hears this boy scream in terror, and he looks down at his revolver and he sees the chamber's empty. Oh, he must have another bullet on him somewhere. He passes bandolier until he gets to a box, the last box with any bullets left in it, and he pops it out and looks at the casing. And it's got the small engraved image of a carrot on it. <laughs> That's awesome. He he shrugs and he pops the bullets out and fits them into the into the rotating chamber of the revolver as fast as he can as he urges his gecko horse after them. And when it's finally loaded, he spins it once for cool looks and snaps it back in. Oh, look out, boy! And he steadies his hand and aims at the rider of this iguana mustang, waving back and forth as he tries Whoa. to steady his hand. These eyes ain't what they used to be! And right as the iguana mustang and its rider arch over the edge of the hill and about to disappear from view, the farmer gets off one shot. Blam! <laughs> and the bullet rips through the air screaming right over the back of the Iguana Mustang and burying itself deep into the dark figure riding it. The rider rocks in their saddle, but holds fast, straightens their back, and um, presses on. Marty skips over the top of the little ridge like a stone skipping over water. And soon, the bullish Iguana Mustang joins the rest of the posse. And as they turn their horses, they disappear into the horizon. And then Deputy Green, is gone. Well, Sheriff ain't gonna like this. And somewhere, Sheriff Dandelion sneezes. <laughs> Bam! Blap! 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 Pow! Kapang! 
<laughs> to the to the German friends. Peng. <laughs> um, ciao, <laughs> ciao. <laughs> what a reference. 